0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, Lang Grant Holy Lands flagship podcast. I am your host, Gene Ross. Joining me, as always, is Josh Dooley, coming at you here with a a rousing recap here of Ohio State's 45-12 to <laughs> victory over Arkansas State. Um, honestly, Josh, it's a good thing that there's not a ton to talk about here from Ohio State, because as we saw from the rest of the... The college football world here it's not a, a given to, to beat up on these lesser teams we saw a lot of upsets this weekend in college football so I think the fact that Ohio State just kind of had a ho-hum you know 30 plus point victory is certainly a good thing after what we, we saw elsewhere on Saturday
1: yeah take what you can get right you know um, win the game by at least one point move on go about your business don't suffer the fate of some of these other schools granted You know, let's be real. Arkansas State is a or was a lesser opponent, but at the end of the day, it's survive in advance no matter who you play. Right. Get some guys healthy, put up enough style points that, you know, people aren't dropping you in the rankings. That's what Ohio State did. I kind of a, a sleepy game, but I think there's still stuff that we can take from it. And and yeah, we avoided the craziness and the pitfalls, which is priority number one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we said coming into this game, it, it's a it's a way for Ohio State to work on some things, um, which I think they did, especially on the offensive side. Um, you know, you want to go into this game and not, not suffer any any big injuries, which I think they did. You know, they had a minor injury uh, towards the end of the game that we'll talk about, but it seems like he, he got up okay and we're, we're good there. Um, so I think all in all, a, a big positive for Ohio State here. They did not cover the spread 0-2 against the spread, so Ryan Day is officially on notice by the betting community. Um, but otherwise, I, I think a decent performance. There was, yeah, like you said, kind of just a, a sleepy game. Nothing really stood out. Nothing crazy really happened. So I think we could just kind of, kind of run through it here. See what we saw. See, you know, what the the big talking points of the game. Uh, I think we kind of start on the offensive side of the ball here. TJ Stroud, I thought, looked. Very, very good. You know, he finished the day 16 of 24, 351 yards, four touchdowns. Um, hasn't committed a turnover yet on the season through two games. He's looked very good with the football. Um, and, and, you know, after after the first week where Ohio State, you know, struggled a bit in the passing game um, against Notre Dame, they were once again without JSN and Julian Fleming in this game. But um, it, it definitely looked much more in sync, and they, he clicked better with these wide receivers, especially Marvin Harrison Jr., who had a huge game, seven catches, 184 yards, three touchdowns. Um, I think they said in the game it's it's only been him and Joey Galloway with multiple three-touchdown games after Harrison had uh, three yeah. touchdowns in the Rose Bowl last season, so... Huge performance from them, and I thought overall the passing game looked good. You know, they didn't. They had a couple of plays that were were questionable, but I think overall, like there was a a bunch of of big passing plays. I think Ohio State did something like like six or seven forty-plus yard plays on the day. Um, so a lot to like through the air. Um, and on the ground they didn't really have to do a ton. You know, Trayvon Henderson had ten rushes for eighty-seven yards. We averaged nearly nine yards a carry. Uh, Mayan Williams eight carries for forty-six yards for so nearly six yards a carry from them. Um, so, you know, that they've looked good, but they just didn't have to do it a ton because it seemed like every time they threw the ball, they were throwing it for a touchdown. So I think overall, um, it's kind of what we expected from the Ohio state offense. They did have some, you know, some sputters here and there, so they're still working things out. It's not perfect just yet, but I think definitely a step in the right direction and what they should have looked like against a team of this caliber.
1: Yeah. You kind of hit it on the head there. They looked the way that they should against a team like Arkansas state uh, look, I get that people wanted to win Ohio State to win by 100 points and, and put up 10 touchdowns and stuff like that, but they looked good. I, they had, what, one or two punts, um, took some deep shots. You alluded to that. We didn't really see much of that against Notre Dame. Uh, we saw some balls that were incomplete down the field, but C.J., Was linking up with his wide receivers, hit Marv on a couple big ones. Emeka Egbuka doing his thing out there, so really good for those younger wide receivers to continue to stack reps and get experience, especially with JSN and Julian Fleming being out. Cade Stover still involved. He had a couple shorties against Notre Dame. They hit him on a wheel route, so that was exciting to see for number eight there, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can take too much away from this game. I would have liked to have seen Travion Henderson or Mayan Williams break a big run, but it is what it is through two games. They're still averaging six-plus yards per carry. They're efficient. When they got down in the red zone, Ohio State's offensive line was pushing people around, beating them up a little bit. The one Travion Henderson— um the shorter of his two touchdown runs too i don't think he was touched i don't think he was breathed on or approached so that was good to see from the offensive line they didn't let arkansas state get to the quarterback really at all and then you go to the signal caller cj just picking up really where he left off he's completing about 70% of his passes through two games no picks he's efficient you know i He's not a, uh, a well-oiled—or this Ohio State passing game is not a well-oiled machine just yet. So I, I don't—I have no concerns through with what we've seen. But you can tell there's still a little something missing, Gene. Would you agree with that? Like, obviously, JSN's not out there. And he's such like—he plays such a big role. And he's one of, if not the best wide receivers in college football— do you still miss his presence or are you you're just like, hey, we're going to live with Marvin Harrison and Mecca Igbu? Where are you at with those kind of all of those, those pass catchers right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously any school would love to have, the, you know, the combo of Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Gbuk right now. Both of those guys played very well. As I said, you know, both had over 100 yards in this game. But I do think just uh, JSN does add a different a different style of, of offense to this team, especially with him in the slot, because it allows you to like do so more. Like, you just have more. to account
1: for him, right? I don't yeah. even know how to put my finger on it. But. Yeah, he's
0: always open. Like, he's always, like, there. there's a lot of stuff they could do over the middle with him, a lot of run after the catch stuff with him that they like to do. And I think that's a big part of, you know, kind of what I was alluding to before, where this Ohio State offense offense... right now seems very big play oriented you know almost it seemed like every drive Ohio State either scored in three plays or punted and so like it it is very big play oriented right now and I think having a guy like JSN in there allows you to keep moving the sticks because he's just like he's always open so you know you get him a 10 yard slant route over the middle you get him a 10 yard out to the to either hash and, and you're cooking so I think having a guy like that Um, Definitely changes things up for this offense, and not saying that you know Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Ibuka can't do that, but I don't think they have the the type of you know run after the catch ability of a guy like JSN. You know, we've seen Mecca Buka do some really good stuff after the catch. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is more of a go up and get it guy. You know, he had some long passing plays. Yeah, he's just a freak athlete. He had some really good over the top passing plays. You know, maybe he will turn into a a true deep threat for this team. We kind of talked after the Notre Dame game of who that guy would be. Maybe it is going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. with just his ability to go up and get it. I mean, that that third touchdown he had where he just went up over the corner and basically mossed him for that play on, on what was a beautiful throw yeah. from CJ. I mean, he just showed off all the tools right there. And so... I don't think Ohio State is certainly hurting right now for wide receiver talent. I think they're fine with what they have, but I think having guys like JSN and even Julian Fleming back will just add another dynamic to the, this offense, and maybe that's why it feels like it's not fully clicking just yet because, I mean, at the end of the day, those are your two top guys coming back. I mean, you know, Marvin Anderson Jr. and Mekka Buka are closer to, Juli- to Julian Fleming um, in that regard, but, but JSN is your clear number one, one of the best wide receivers in college football. So having him out there, I think, will just add another dynamic to this team.
1: Yeah, Gene, I want to ask you about that, actually. Do you think that if and when healthy, Julian Fleming's the fourth wide receiver now, right? Like, there's just no other way around it with what these guys have thro- have shown now through their last three games. Do you see any avenue for Julian Fleming to come back and be wide receiver two, at least?
0: Yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, there's been nothing that that Harrison Jr. or Ibuka have done yet to to lose their spots. I mean, they've both performed very, very well. I mean, uh, it it is going to be tough because we've at least seen, like, even in the Rose Bowl, you know, these were the two guys that stepped up when when Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson were gone. And so even with Julian Fleming on the team and and those two guys here as well, he was already kind of wide receiver four in that room. And now after missing two games, you have these guys both playing well. You're going to throw JSN in there at, obviously as the top guy in that room. So I think it will be kind of tough for him to to earn anything more than wide receiver four. However, that being said, I do think that they'll be able to look to at least rotate a bit more once they have those guys back. You know, in this game, you know, other yeah. than other than Harrison and, and Ibuka, no other receiver had more than three catches. Um, they, Cade Stover had was the only one with over 15 yards, and it's because he had that 135 yard catch on that wheel route. But they really didn't look to target anyone else. So I think that they'll look to maybe spread the ball around a bit more although I say that having seen you know what Ohio State's looked like the past few years and they really haven't spread out it's really been the top two or three guys that have caught the the vast majority of the catches but I do think having Fleming back will at least allow you to get some of those guys some rest you know keep guys fresh keep rotating guys in and out I don't know if we'll see you know a a true full rotation I do think that Fleming is kind of the fourth man in that group but this is a guy that you know we've talked about a ton a former number one receiver in the country and so I think they will find a way to get him involved and hopefully you know both of those guys are are back sometime soon I don't know if we'll see them next week week against Toledo but I imagine we'll see them against uh, Wisconsin who you know has their own struggles going on but nonetheless um, (laughs) I I do think that it's going to be interesting to see how this wide receiver room plays out once all those guys are healthy for sure.
1: Yeah I'm I'm wildly interested in that because Julian Fleming is a guy that I have been pounding the table for for years since he committed to Ohio State and his injuries are so frustrating not you know selfishly for us as fans but it's got to be just uh, you know, terrible for him. It seems like he's on the precipice of contributing or really being a big player in this Ohio State offense, and then something happens. You know, it was the the creaky shoulder that he popped back into place. He catches two touchdowns in a scrimmage, and then all of a sudden he's got a lower body body injury. And you're like, what the heck's going on? You know, we weren't ready for that, but it certainly looked like he was close. Same thing with JSN. You know, they were on the field first yesterday getting some sessions in trying to warm up and and test out their lower body injuries respectively so um i do think that we'll see them next week because look wisconsin we're not going to talk about them they lost uh, to washington state but and they lost a bunch of guys on their defense too it's still a much bigger test than we saw against arkansas state than we'll see against toledo and so at some point going into big 10 play you got to get your guys legs under them, I think, in my personal opinion. So I do think we'll see them next week, even if it's in a limited sample size. But that's just going to continue to add layers to this offense, which I know they've not put up a billion points, but I think through two games, Gene, no concerns whatsoever, right? Like they're they're doing everything they need to do. They're putting up points. They have the big plays. They just need all their horses.
0: Yeah, I I think personnel wise they're fine. I am still you know, I'm a little concerned about play calling stuff. You know, it wasn't it wasn't terrible in this game, but there are still some questionable drives where, like, they, they waste a play or two here on a play that, that seemingly has no chance of working. And I get that, you know, you could try those things out against teams that you know you're going to beat. So I'll, I'll give them a pass here for Arkansas State. But I would like to see more of a... You know, I'd like to see them use the ground game more. You know, it worked out really well in this game. Um, you know, take some of the pressure off C.J. Stroud. You know, keep the, keep the wide receivers, you know, it, it healthier, not taking all these hits. Um... Elsewhere on offense, you know, the offensive line, I thought, played okay. Um, I think that they're still much better in, in run blocking than they are in pass protection. I think that, you know, it seems like Paris Johnson Jr. really struggled a bit in this game. Um, a couple of other guys, you know, missed missed some assignments here and there. Um, they only allowed the one sack at the end of the day. But do you do you have any concerns about the offensive line and pass protection? I think run blocking they've been honestly quite phenomenal. I think that having you know the two true guards out there, especially a guy like Donovan Jackson who's looked really good in the start of his Ohio State career, has certainly helped in that regard. And I think Justin Fry is doing a good job with that unit overall. But the pass protection has you know in the past couple couple games they yeah. have had some breakdowns where you know CJ Stroud has to run a little bit or you know the pocket collapses and they allow a sack. So any concerns there or is it just, you know, this unit's continuing to gel and they're going to just keep getting better as the year goes on?
1: Well, Gene, I don't think there is nothing to what you said, right? Like Arkansas State should have never come close to C.J. Stroud. And really, there wasn't a ton of danger. There was the one sack. I thought he was pretty comfortable, but he did have to scramble a little bit at time. So, um yeah, you know, but then you look at what they did against Notre Dame, and again, Notre Dame now 0 and 2. Maybe not the world beaters that we thought they were, but they still have Isaiah Foskey. They still have some guys up front, and Ohio State looked really good against them, specifically Paris Johnson Jr. So I wouldn't say I'm concerned. You know, I get what you're saying, and I don't want to like make excuses for the offensive line or defend any sort of like subpar play that they may have had. But it's really difficult I think for them to get up for Arkansas State. Not just because it was Arkansas State, but be, but coming off of week 1, right? That was a huge high profile game watched by a billion people. It was the nat- it was in the national spotlight. Emotionally, Ohio State and their players had to get up so high For that game that I think that this Arkansas State performance, while still a 32, 33 point win, I think that's why it seemed a bit sleepy at times because it was just an emotional letdown. So, yeah, like I get and acknowledge your point. I would have liked to have seen them just blow Arkansas State off the line every single play. But I'll just kind of chalk that up to the atmosphere, the game and a bunch of those other things.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. You know, the the environment going from a a under the lights kick against a top opponent, where you know every celebrity that's ever been to Ohio is in the building. You got LeBron James there, all these former Ohio State players. The crowd's rocking. It's it's the biggest game of the year, for, you know, in, in game one. And then you go from that to you know a noon kick against a team you're favored to by over forty points. So I do think that it's kind of you don't you don't want them to you know come into a game you know lacking focus or lacking any you know any juice for any games because, you know, you can't afford to drop any of them in college football. But I I think it's understandable why this game maybe didn't feel as – you know, as intense or as, you know, exciting as as the first game would have you. So I, I think that's all fair. I don't really have any major concerns there, but I would like to see, you know, that unit continue to improve. And like I said last week, I think they will. I think it's, you know, that's kind of how offensive lines go. You have guys, you know, they, you, know you have guys with experience, but this is as, as a group, they're playing together really for the first time consistently. So it'll still take some time for those guys to get all together. And they will have another, you know, kind of easier game next week to, to ease into things before they get into the bulk of Big Ten play. But nonetheless, I think overall, uh, not a ton of concerns for us on offense. We're still waiting on JSN on and Fleming to get back. We don't really have any word on when that'll be. Um, we, we got to see a little bit of, of Kyle McCord in this game. Not really. I um, got to see some of Dallin Hayden. He had some, you know, he looked, he had let's, some flashes. Let's talk
1: about that, Gene, because yeah. I don't know if you chipped in on our slack, but a couple of us, uh, you know, the LGHL staff were talking about this. If you're going to bring Kyle McCord in, either let him play quarterback or bring in Devin Brown in my opinion, because every time they bring this guy in, with the exception of the game that he had to start last year, they completely neuter him. It's handoff, handoff, throw something out to the flat. And look, I know that the ball he threw to G. Scott Jr. was not a great throw, but look, like I don't even care about the style points. It's not like I needed to see Kyle McCord, you know, score points or anything like that. But let him throw the damn ball because I just I don't know how you're going to get a guy ready if you put him in a game atmosphere and you don't let him play football unless you just lack confidence in him. But did you I mean, do you kind of share that same sentiment?
0: Josh, I don't know what you're talking about. Kyle McCord threw four hole passes. Is that not enough for you?
1: It, it's not nearly enough. Throw it downfield. The guy's got a cannon and it's like, hey, three yards in the flat. Call it a day.
0: Yeah, no, what's what's frustrating for me and I, and I saw a couple people bring it up on Twitter is that. During the 2021 season, when when Ohio State was struggling, Ryan Day, you know, a lot of the blame he said fell on the fact that he couldn't get his backups reps in the shortened 2020 season. But in, in 2021 and now going into 2022, when Ohio State's in these blowout games... It seems like Ryan Day doesn't let these young players get the reps that he would like them to have anyway. So you can't blame the COVID season when you're not doing it himself. I thought that he left he probably left the starters in for one or two drives too many in this game, you know. I think CJ Stroud came back in when it was already uh 45 to 9 or 45 to 12 and it's yeah. just like why are you why are you doing that? Why are you putting your quarterback in harm's way? But outside of that, yeah, I completely agree. You got to let if Kyle McCord is your backup or Devin Brown is your backup, you need these guys to be ready. If something, God forbid, happened to C.J. Stroud, you need these guys to be ready to step in and fill in immediately for a team with national title aspirations. And part of that is making sure they have Real game reps, and I know it's coming against a team like Arkansas State, but run a real offensive drive. You know, I watched the other day. I, I don't know if you watched it, Josh on Monday, the Clemson game, and that game was was way out of hand. They bring in Cade Klubnick and they let him run like a real hurry up offensive drive, and they go down and score a touchdown, and he looked really good. It gives him a ton of confidence, and you could do the same here with Kyle McCord. Run a real offense. You know, you don't have to leave. You know, your top end receivers or running back out there, but let him run with the guys that he's probably going to wind up running with when it's his time at Ohio. State anyway you know they That's did a great
1: point Gene I yeah. mean bring in the freshman wide receivers it's not like you're gonna hurt Xavier Johnson's feelings if you've got one of the freshman guys out there and you know I, I hate to interrupt but you brought up a point to put him out there with the guys that he may play with in the future you bring Dallin Hayden in He caught two of those balls from Kyle McCord. He had two catches for 13 yards. You know how many catches Travion Henderson has through two games? Uh, Zero. Yeah, so you're not running your normal offense if you're just like, hey, snap it, throw it in the flat. So you're right. Like, Call the plays and call the game the same way. Otherwise, as these guys are gonna come in and football is gonna be foreign to them because they're running a completely different offense.
0: Yeah, and like for the freshmen especially, like these are guys that are probably gonna wind up redshirting for the most part anyway. So and like you could get them into four games. You're probably not gonna have a ton of games after you get into conference play where you're up but I mean, well, actually they, they might, but nonetheless, you know, there's not gonna be probably more than four <laughs> or five games where you're up a million like this. So give these guys a chance to get some game action before they eventually wind up taking a redshirt, or even if they're not gonna redshirt, just you know, let them play in these games, let them get some reps, let them catch some passes. It doesn't I don't think Arkansas State is going to be offended if you go in and score a touchdown with your backups. It's not like you're you're out there, you know, and who sc- cares dropping if they are. yeah, and at the end of the day, I don't care what Butch Jones thinks. So like it's just it, it is kind of frustrating to see them not getting these guys full reps. And you know, it kind of you know, when CJ Stroud started as Ohio State's quarterback for the first time last season, he had never thrown a collegiate pass. And you know, that's not going to be the same Issue for Kyle McCord, but it's not that much different at this point. I mean, he's only thrown really a handful. He did start the Akron game; that's his best, his best real game action to date. But if he didn't have that, he wouldn't have much else on his resume in the college football game. So, I would like to see, um, you know, maybe if they're up big against Toledo, I don't know. Toledo might be a little bit of a tougher opponent than, than Arkansas State. In fact, they definitely will be. I don't know if they'll be, you know, competitive still, but they'll be a much better team than Arkansas State. But if it's another game like this where you're up, you know, 30, 40 points in the fourth quarter, I would like to see, you know, more of the freshmen on both sides. The football more of either Comicord or Devin Brown. And like you said, let them actually run a real offense, let them throw the football and see what these guys got and let them get some confidence.
1: I, I think we we couldn't agree more on this because at some point you need somebody else who is tested. That's why Xavier Johnson is a fourth or fifth year walk-on, and he was your wide receiver three, because no one else has gotten the experience. Even a guy like Jaden Ballard, Jaden Ballard was in the program last year. Barely saw the field. He was a four-star recruit, big-time kid out of Massillon, and he's behind the walk-on. Not, and that's not a shot against Xavier Johnson. Like you and I, we love this dude, right? But it's due to lack of reps. Xavier Johnson doesn't have a t- or didn't have a ton of game reps, but he had the years, and so they felt clearly more comfortable putting him in the game than Jaden Ballard. You're going to run into that same situation next year with a Caleb Brown or a Kion Graves or whoever. If you continue to do this, and <clears throat> just to the point of Arkansas State potentially feeling you know, slighted or offended or anything like that, they certainly didn't have that in mind when they were pushing the pace with less than a minute to go with their backup, trying to potentially score their first touchdown of the game. So I could really care less about what Butch Jones thinks or how he feels. If you put Kyle McCord in the game, let him play some football, Otherwise, you know, just put Dallin Hayden back there to run Wildcat um, because you're just you're not running the same offense. And you're I think you're doing Kyle McCord an injustice if you just put him in there uh, as a placeholder.
0: Yeah, I, I we definitely agree on that stuff. We'll see if that if any of that changes moving forward. But it might just be, you know, a, a flaw in Ryan Day's philosophy. But nonetheless, um, I think we've kind of squeezed all that we can out of the offense. Let's flip over to the defensive side, um, where Ohio State was was largely good. I mean, Arkansas State scored 12 points, but they didn't have any touchdowns. Um, Very similar to, you know, the Notre Dame game. There was a couple of just big plays. Um, There was a lot of penalty issues in this game, I think. Where was it? Ohio State had uh, nine penalties in this game. Uh, for 85, for 85 yeah. yards. Yeah. So that's not, you're going to have to clean that up. I think they had a, quite a few penalties against Notre Dame, too. So that's an area where you got to look to clean things up. They obviously had, you know, more of a special teams thing here, but when Emeka Ibuka returned a, a punt for a touchdown, they had a, a penalty that not only brought the touchdown back, but gave Arkansas State the ball back. So things like that, obviously, you got to clean up. That can't happen against the better teams you play, but. Nonetheless, once again, Ohio State's defense looked good. Their run defense looked stellar. Um, They held Arkansas State to under two yards per carry, one point six yards per carry. Their top rusher had twenty yards, and that was on two carries. That was their their running back champ, their uh, their wide receiver Champ Flemings on like a, a, a like a. Pitch play or something sweep. like that, but yeah, some kind of sweep. But other than that, their run defense was excellent once again. Um, the pass defense, you know, we kind of talked about in our preview how Arkansas State might actually test Ohio State's secondary a bit more than Notre Dame did just because of the style of offense they play and the deep shots they like to take. And I think that did ring true here. I mean, James Blackman didn't like the world on fire. He was 20 of 34 with 188 yards, but they definitely. Had some more sustained drives with a lot of that the Dink and Ducks Dink and Dunk stuff on offense. A lot of the, the you know the quick drop offs, uh, slants, little out routes, little curl routes, and I think Ohio State had some some open field tackling issues in this game that we didn't really see um, against Notre Dame that they'll have to clean up. I think champ Fleming's did a really good job of just being elusive. You know, we talked about him in the preview, five foot five wide receiver, ton of speed. Um, he looked every bit of it out there. He was very good in this game, but other than that, you know, not, not a ton to really, I don't think be worried about Denzel Burke. Once again, um, had his struggles out there. He actually, he actually got benched out there at one point for JK Johnson. Um, we did see more of Josh Proctor in this game. Um, then we did in week one. So it's good to see him continuing to get involved. Um, But, you know, in terms of individual performances, I think everyone, you know, everyone played decently well. But Burke has has struggled. I think that's a little bit concerning. I don't really know what what's going on there. Um, I thought that, you know, once again, Jack Sawyer and JT Tumalo, even though they haven't recorded a sack, they are both tremendous in in creating pressure on the quarterback. I think they were they were, you know, it seemed like they were always about to make a play or forcing the quarterback to make a throw. So they obviously both had good games as well. Um, Steel Chambers and Cody Simon wound up tying to lead the team in tackles with six each. Um, Steel Chambers, I thought, looked really good in this game. Tommy Eikenberg, again, looked very solid. Um, Mike Hall is that dude. He is one of Ohio State's best defensive <laughs> players. I think you have to, I, I at this point, he's, you can't take number 51 off the field. He's been that good. Um, had another sack in this game. Uh, the Ohio State had two sacks total, the other going to Chambers, but Overall, I think a lot to like on this defense. We did see a lot more rotation this week. They got some different guys in. They obviously had some of the freshmen get in late in the game. But uh, overall, I liked what I saw. You know, you don't like letting up points anywhere. I mean, but when you don't let up an offensive touchdown in a game, I don't think you could complain all that much.
1: No, no complaints here. The Denzel Burke thing, I don't know if I'm more concerned or curious or annoyed like it's not like he's getting I don't wanna say he's getting torched by these upper echelon wide receivers, right? um against Notre Dame, he kind of guessed wrong, came up at the uh, at the line, got beat on a deep one. That'll happen to any corner. the long play to I think it was Braden lenssley uh, or whomever the kind of slot guy for Notre Dame, lucky catch but Denzel Burke was just sort of jumping up in the air. And that's what we saw on his pass interference call, at least one of them yesterday against Arkansas State, just kind of jumping up in the air, not looking for the ball. So I want to chalk that up to just sloppiness and early season stuff, Uh, maybe trying to gamble, maybe he's looking for a, a pick and he's getting beat off the line, something like that. He's clearly not where he needs to be. But I also don't think that he's the second coming of seven banks where he looked great and all of a sudden he completely fell off and forgot how to play football. I think he just needs to clean some things up. I think that the, the fact that he was benched yesterday, hopefully he takes that to heart and hopefully he realizes like, hey, I need to get it together because it's not like they have a ton of depth behind him. But even despite that, Jim Knowles and his coaching staff, they're like, hey, get him out of here. He needs at least a break mentally to start to figure things out. And then I think in the second half, he looked better, right? Or when he played in the second half, he looked better. So I'll at least keep an eye on that. I'm a bit curious about it, but everything else, it seems like the Buckeyes are doing the right things. Nobody can run on them. Granted, we didn't expect Arkansas state to do much. They were one of the worst rushing offenses in the country last year, but teams are averaging 2.0 yards per carry through two games and Say what you will about the pass offense. Clearly, Tyler Buckner is not that dude, but James Blackman has a ton of experience, at least, and did some things at Florida State. Through two games, teams are completing 58% of their passes, like two and a quarter. Or so they need to see some real competition, some better competition, and maybe that starts next week because Toledo's got some guys on that offense, and they've got another dual threat quarterback, although... I don't know that he can throw the ball any better than Tyler Buckner. He was 12 for 26 yesterday against UMass. I I think you or I could go 13 for 26 against UMass, but um, I like to think so. I do. (laughs) But regardless, I like what I see from this entire unit. I still like the aggressiveness. I, I think that steel chambers and Tommy Eichenberg, when they come on a blitz, they're scary. Now you couldn't say that last year you hit on Sawyer and JTT basically no stats to speak of through two games but they're present they're there like they're they're impacting the game and it's weird because both Notre Dame and Arkansas State try have I feel like they tried to get the ball out really quickly in the passing game and I think most teams are going to do that the goal is to not take a sack but if they go if and when they go up against a team that has a bit more of a like drop back style, I think some of those guys are going to begin to eat because JTT, he's better, or he has played better than two tackles through two games. Jack Sawyer, I think, has two and a half, three and a half through two games that they, that he's been credited with. They're just playing better than that. And the same thing goes for turnovers. Ohio State hasn't caused a turnover yet, but they've also allowed one touchdown through two games and four field goals. So You're being nitpicky. I would like to see some more pressure in the backfield. I would like to see them force a turnover, but they're giving up 11 points per game. So how upset can you really be? Um, You know, anything else that I kind of wrote down or noticed, I think that defensive line, they need to find somebody who's going to play next to Mike Hall consistently because it seems like Tyleek Williams, maybe not all there yet. We saw him flash and, you and I talked about this last year. He he either looked great or he was a ghost. And I thought that he would come in and he would be 1A or 1B there at defensive tackle. That hasn't been the case. Teron Vincent hasn't looked bad, but I don't know that he's going to give you a whole lot. Did we maybe see the next guy up yesterday in the second half? Do you know what I'm alluding to, Gene?
0: Yeah, the Caden Curry show there in the fourth quarter. Um, actually wound up finishing the game near the top of the list here in tackles with four. He had a big tackle for loss there. Um, he looked really good. I'll be interested to see how much playing time he continues to get. He is the first um, Ohio State freshman this season to get, you know, in-game reps at on either offense or defense. Um, but yeah, I am I am a little concerned that, that Mick Murathi has ruined Tyleek Williams. He does look a little bigger this year, and I think a lot of what made him so good was just his his frame and his athleticism. And I think by you know taking that away from him and trying to make him this, you know, prototypical run stopping defensive tackle maybe doesn't best suit his interests. So I, I am a little bit concerned about that. But You know, in this game, you do look at the stats. I mean, Ohio State had 12 tackles for loss in this game, which is very, very good. Mike Hall led the way with three. Um, William, Tyler Williams himself actually had one and a half. Uh, Cody Simon had two uh Cody T- Simon
1: looked decent yesterday
0: yeah he definitely looked better than he did in week one um J.J. Tumala did actually have a tackle for a loss so he did get on the, the statue here as well as uh you know Jack Slayer had half a tackle for a loss so those guys did put up a little bit of stats but also like you said you know they're playing a lot better than their statue would indicate they are causing mayhem back there and I've really liked you know specifically how these Ohio State safeties have looked I liked you know Court Williams and uh, not Court Williams uh uh, Josh Proctor and Lathan Ransom, I thought, have both looked good in their own spurts. I really, really like Lathan Ransom this year. I think he's been phenomenal at making open field tackles. Um, didn't play as much in this game, but he was playing more in the second half and he made some really nice tackles in the open field. I thought Cam Martinez looked good. It's kind of like that slot. Uh, safety position, I really liked him out yeah. there. Haven't really noticed a ton of of Tanner McAllister. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but he hasn't really, you know, made made a big play yet or popped. But I think he's still doing his job out there as kind of the the de facto coach on the field and and the knower of the general scheme. Ronnie Hickman, yeah, Ronnie Hickman's been solid. I, you know, once again, not a guy that I've noticed a ton, but he's made some nice tackles here. I think Ohio State's safeties overall have been very good at and making those tackles. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, the corners or a linebacker might miss one at the line and then they're in there quickly to clean it up. So I think they've done a good job there. And that's why we haven't really seen, you know, the issues in Ohio State last year letting up all those big plays is that you didn't have that last line of defense at safety. There wasn't anybody back there to make the tackle and the big plays turned into touchdowns. Whereas here, Ohio State might let up a big play here and there, but there is someone there to make the tackle before it turns into six. So I think that is a notable improvement of this Ohio State defense. Um, I think the passing game will continue to improve. I think we should see a little bit more Rotation at corner as Denzel Burke continues to struggle. I would like to see more of J.K. Johnson and Jordan Hancock as as the, you know things go along. Just to see what those guys got. We actually saw you know Jair Brown in this game before we saw Jordan Hancock. So I'm interested in kind of what's going on in the cornerback room there, but. Nonetheless, um, good to see some of the young guys get some reps and, you know, not not a ton to to complain about. I, you know, it's not it wasn't the prettiest performance. You know, Ohio State did have their their missed tackles and their, you know, head scratching and misses here and there. But overall, it was another good performance. And I think, you know, based on what we saw last year, the way this defense is playing is still a tremendous positive and, and something that I didn't think they'd be at this good at this point in the season yet. And hopefully, they only continue to get better as we, as we go on.
1: Yeah, it's funny. This defense looks really good through two games, despite the fact that the safeties aren't causing turnovers. The JTT and Jack Sawyer don't have any sacks. It's just, I think that one through 11, they are so much better fundamentally, and, and they're so sound that. Look, they're getting teams off the field much quicker because they're not giving up the big plays, missing all the tackles, missing all the assignments that we saw last year. So sometimes it's OK to have a boring defense as long as those guys are in the right places at the right time. And so I think that's what we're seeing. I, you would if you heard Tanner McAllister's name in the context of being beat for a long game, That's one thing. The fact that you don't hear him making a lot of tackles, it's like, okay, well, that means they're not throwing the ball in his direction. And somebody's coming up with a tackle before they reach the secondary. Same thing goes for a Ronnie Hickman who had 100 tackles last year. He has seven zero for loss through two games. But that's fine. He's not getting toasted. He doesn't have to be the cleanup guy. So it's just been a boring sort of performance through two games, but in a good way. Because up front, they're creating so much pressure. They're being aggressive, and they're kind of keeping teams at bay that we don't have to hear a whole lot about the secondary. Unfortunately for Burke, he, he has been cooked, but he's also defended three passes. So if you figure out his consistency or inconsistency and continue to rotate. We still haven't seen – we've barely seen Court Williams, and that was a guy that you and I were really standing for, They're going to have so many guys back deep and so many guys that you can plug in that I'm not really worried about. I think they're going to be fine. They just need to clean some things up. And, um, as as far as Jordan Hancock goes, though, I think he was announced out yesterday. I think that's why we saw Jair Brown. I think he had the, the hammy just before the season. So TBD there, I could be wrong. He may have been active, but, um, at least J.K. Johnson got in there. He didn't look too bad. He did some things. Sort of a boneheaded play on the punt return, but I don't think that's his fault. That's more on the punt returner, in my opinion, where it hit him. But so far, everything looks good in the way you would have it look. We just need some exciting plays to, to kind of get us going as fans.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, I think officially now is Ohio State's minus one here in the turnover because of their kind of, you know, just a bad luck play here in this game where the the... Can't you know, win of,
1: games that way, Gene.
0: Yeah, one one of the gunners got pushed into the ball on a, on a punt, and so it was to officially a muffed punt and a fumble that Ohio State lost. So, officially a, a negative one on the season of turnovers, but like I said before, Ohio State's offense hasn't turned the ball over yet, um, but they also haven't forced anything on defense, so it would be nice to see, you know, an interception here and there, maybe, you know, a sack fumble or something among the likes, but Overall, I think, you know, a solid performance for Ohio State, once again, gives them more stuff to build on, more stuff to work on moving forward, which I think is always good. Um, but yeah, I mean, just kind of a, a game that you, you got through, you won it, you, you did. It. I mean, you put up 530 yards of, of offense, can't really, you know, complain about that. Um, and, and I think that... At the end of the day, I, I think there's is a lot of positives to take from this. I think that Ohio State's going in the right direction, and from you know from what we saw, the rest of the college football world, the, these games aren't always the easiest to win. And while Arkansas State maybe isn't as great of an opponent as some of the the teams that lost the lesser opponents this year, um, or this week, I should say. Um, I think it, you know you come into these games kind of like we alluded to it. It might be a little bit of a sleepwalk game, hard to get up for a team like Arkansas State that you know you're going to beat. You could put out your second string to start the game and probably still beat them, but you got to still go in and do it. Ohio State did go in and do it, and and that's really all we we could ask for there. So I think that overall there isn't really. Um, a ton else to, to go with here, Josh, do you have any other really major points from this game? I did want to briefly touch on some of the other big upsets around college football before we get out of here, but is there any other things we have from this Ohio State game? I think we kind of touched on on all the, the big points here.
1: No, best thing about being 2-0, and o, and Gene, I think I'm going to try and tee you up a little bit because I know you want to get to, but I want to tie it into this game and this week. Do you now feel any worse about Ohio Ohio State, given what we saw and have seen from Notre Dame?
0: Um, Maybe a little bit. I mean, obviously that Notre Dame game means a lot less now that they have, have since gone on to lose to Marshall, but... Um, I still think Notre Dame like that, that, that was a game that they were going to get up for. There was a lot of juice for Notre Dame in that game with Marcus Freeman coming in, you know, with, with that being under the lights at Ohio stadium with all the the recruits that were in the house. So I think that was still a huge game for Notre Dame. And I think they probably gave, you know, 110% effort in that game. Maybe not so much against, you know, a, a team like Marshall, you know, we talk about Ohio state, maybe sleepwalk into a game with Arkansas state. It appears Notre Dame, you know, coming off a loss and already feeling down, probably did the same against Marshall and it wound up biting them in the butt, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it makes Ohio State look any worse. You know, it's at, at the end of the day, it was the first game of the year. And they, they still, you know, while the stats might not look great, I think they still did a lot of things there that you would would be happy about, especially without their top two receivers. So I'm not overly concerned about that. Um, in the grand scheme of things, I think Ohio State's in a pretty good spot uh, in the college football world because, you know, just starting here in the, in the less broad scope of the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten West might be the worst division of any sport of all time. Uh, I don't I don't know what even to say at this point like these nobody wants to win the Big Ten West I think that like Minnesota might wind up winning it just by default Um, but you know you had Iowa going to Iowa State lose um, you had Wisconsin losing to Washington State Uh, you just there's nobody on that side of the of the conference that has any semblance of a football team. And now you've taken, you know, two of Ohio State's bigger games in Notre Dame and Wisconsin and, and taken a lot of the fire out of them right out of the gates, which is is not great. But like like you know, at the end of the day, if Ohio State handles business, they'll be in the playoff. But these are the kind of games where yeah. you know if you do drop a game, you want to be able to look back on these and say, Oh, well, they had this big win over this team, and now, you know, everyone around the College World world is just dropping like flies.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the Big Ten West. Uh, I, I think Wisconsin will figure some things out between Graham Mertz not looking dreadful and the fact that they have so many new guys on defense, I think they'll they'll get better. I don't know that they're a top you know, 10, 15 team. But some of the other teams on that side of the ledger, I mean, we don't even need to talk about Scott Frost. The entire rest of the country is doing that for us. How did us. I
0: forget about Scott Frost? Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> yeah. But um, Iowa is the one to me. And Gene, tell me if you feel any differently. If I was a defensive player on Iowa, I would be pissed off at my head coach and the coaching staff for putting me in the position that they consistently do. That has got to be, and I'm going to go a little bit scorched earth. That has got to be one of the most dreadful, embarrassing, pathetic units that I have seen in a long, long time for a upper echelon team. I mean, I don't know how Brian Ferentz makes it to Thanksgiving with his dad, let alone as the offensive coordinator. Spencer Petras, look, clearly not the the greatest quarterback in the world, but I think you've got to be put in a position to succeed. And you've got this fantastic, fantastic defense that's not giving up any points. That was great last year, forced a billion turnovers, and you can't put up more than seven Points In either of your games, they've only scored one touchdown. That's absolutely pathetic. And that is my biggest call out for the Big Ten West.
0: Yeah, Spencer Petras over his last eight games has thrown one touchdown pass to nine interceptions. At a certain point, you got to cut the rope here. I, I don't know if it's entirely his fault, but he's not helping matters. Um, yeah, like you said, Kirk Ferentz simply has to fire his son. He might be the worst offensive coordinator of all time. That's um, just, a, it, like you said, it's nothing short of, of pathetic. It's it's an embarrassing offense. You know, I was actually, I was at work yesterday at Embly Network. I have two friends that work there that are big Iowa fans, and they're just sitting there, head in hands, watching their team. Drinking. Yeah, watching their team block a punt, start at the 20, and somehow not get any points out of the drive. Like, it's just, it's insane what they're doing over there. I think in that game there were two fumbles on the goal line. It's just they, they have nothing going on offense there. Iowa, Nebraska, Scott Frost is going to be fired on October first. The second that buyout gets dropped, I mean he is the the king of one score losses. Nobody does it better than him. It's just it's just a bad it's a bad division, and and uh, you look elsewhere some other you know big upsets of the day obviously i think one of the biggest ones if not the biggest was app states win over texas a&m a team that had yeah, you know potentially college football playoff aspirations um you look at what are, they, what are some of the other big upsets? There's so many that they're they're clogging my head. You know, Kentucky, Florida. There's a lot of really good games yesterday. Like a lot of these upsets weren't like a team got blown out. There were a lot of like down to the wire wins. Um, Kentucky, Florida was a lot of fun. BYU, Baylor, um, just a lot yeah, a lot of upsets, one. and and it was it was a good day of college football. It's always these slates where. You go in being like, oh, there's only you know one or two ranked matchups. This week's gonna suck, and then it winds up being just a banger of a weekend. And I think that you know these first two weekends of college football have been a ton of fun. And if you're a Ohio State fan, you got to be pretty happy with the way things have gone around you. You know, especially with you know the way Alabama looked against Texas. Um, it, it, there's a not a lot of teams right now. I jokingly said in our in our team Slack the other day, you know, the only good college football teams in the country right now are Georgia, Air Force, and Kentucky. And, and, I you know, it's it's tough out there right now. There aren't a lot of teams that I would say look phenomenal outside of really Georgia. So, uh, you know, for all the anybody's concerns about Ohio State, I think if you look around, you got to feel pretty good right now.
1: Yeah, I don't think you could feel bad. You can look at some of these other teams and the way that they've won. Look, Georgia, probably awesome. You could also be like, oh, they only beat Samford by 33. They didn't care. All right. That was a, a walkthrough for them. You can look at – I brought up Michigan before the podcast – they have destroyed Rice and Hawaii. And you're like, oh, maybe they've got something going. I have no clue because Rice is terrible and Hawaii gave up 63 to Vanderbilt week one. So I, I don't know what to really draw from any the the first two weeks. Just the fact that, you know, Ohio State is looks like a contender. It looks like their defense is much better. You know what you're getting on offense. And I don't know that we have... Another juggernaut in college football. Texas A&M clearly found out that you can't just buy your way to the playoff. You know, they paid a billion dollars for their recruiting class. They couldn't beat App State. Can't buy coaching. Jimbo Fisher was great a decade ago. I don't know what he brings to the game anymore beyond being a fundraiser. And uh, Wisconsin was the other one that, that you didn't hit on, but we brought up earlier, right? Washington State's not a great football team. They played their butts off. And they gave Wisconsin all they could handle and more. But at the end of the day, what's Washington State? Third or fourth best team in the Pac-12? Maybe, I don't know, the Pac-12 is another dreadful conference. USC might win by default, with the exception of Utah. I'm sorry, with the exception of Utah. But we don't know what Oregon's going to be. I was kind of looking at the rest of USC's schedule. And if they could beat Utah, they're going to sleepwalk to a Pac-12 title. So there's so much left to be sorted out. All you can really kind of look at and focus on is what is your team doing in the grand scheme of things. And Ohio State is going to put up points, and right now they're holding teams to 11 on the other end. Seems like they've got things going. Just take that for what it's worth. Be confident in that team moving forward, and they'll hopefully get a real test or a better test in a couple of weeks. Although, look, you know, I think Marcus Freeman needed to Be humbled a little bit. That's nothing against the guy. I mean, he's from Ohio. He's a Buckeye. But all the preseason stuff is like, hey, this is where you want to be if you're going to win a national title, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I think that that needed to happen. But I still think Notre Dame is a solid team with a solid roster. So Ohio State should still feel great, in my opinion, about that victory. And then they avoided a pitfall and will hopefully continue to do that against your your lower level competition. And then you have to ask yourself, what is the higher level competition? And at this point, I don't know. It's probably Michigan. It might be Michigan State. We'll see about Penn State. But beyond that, this season, I think, will be a roller coaster ride in, in totality, like nationwide.
0: Listen, we so far, we were right about Maryland. Maryland looks good, so that's we have that going for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite part of the weekend is that three of Desmond Howard's four playoff teams all lost, which is very funny. Um, Texas A&M, Baylor, and Pittsburgh, all in his final four for whatever reason, all lost this weekend. His only remaining team is Michigan, so... If it's they a go, good
1: thing he's not paid to pay to talk about college football, right?
0: Yeah, that, that's definitely a good thing. And, you know, his last remaining team here is Michigan. And so when they go out next week and they lose to UConn um, somehow, way, you will know why. But yeah, I mean, there's there's not a ton of, of teams right now to be scared of, and I'm sure that you know everyone will. The better teams will separate themselves as the year goes on, and, and teams will start to you know really get kick things into gear. Other than Georgia, but for right now, you know, I think Ohio State's in a good spot. They looked good. They won their two games, which is more than a lot of the other teams around the country could say. And and I think that that's pretty much all there is to it. You know, it's it's survive and advance in this sport, and that's exactly what they've done. And they've got some things to work on, but overall, they look like a pretty decent team this year. So. Um, I, I think that's really it for us, Josh. you have anything else before we get out of here and, and enjoy our, uh, our NFL Sundays?
1: No, man. Happy NFL Day. Let's, let's get this thing over with.
0: Uh, that'll be all from us. We'll be back uh, mid, midweek this week to preview the Toledo game from next Saturday. Uh, be sure to check out all of our written content over at landgrantholyland.com for all of our you know, post-game stuff on Arkansas State, as well as pre-game stuff leading up to the next game and everything in between. Uh, be sure to like, rate, view, subscribe, all that good stuff your podcast asks you to do. And for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross, and as always, go Bucks.